Section six of the History of Lady Julia Mandeville. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The History of Lady Julia Mandeville by Francis Brooke. Section six. Epistle Colonel to Colonel Belleville, Wednesday night. I can't conceive, Belleville, what it is that makes me so much the men's taste. I really think I am not handsome not so very handsome not so handsome as lady julia yet i don't know how it is i am persecuted to death amongst you the misfortune to please everybody tis amazing irregularity of features fine eyes indeed a vivid bloom a seducing smile an elegant form an air of the world and something extremely well in the tout ensemble a kind of an agreeable manner easy spirited degage and for the understanding, I flatter myself Mallet's itself cannot deny me the beauties of the mind. You might justly say to me what the Queen of Sweden said to Mademoiselle Lefebvre. With such an understanding, are you not ashamed to be handsome? Thursday morning. Absolutely deserted. Lord and Lady Belmont have gone to town this morning on sudden, unexpected business. Poor Harry's situation would have been pitiable, had not my lord, considering how impossible it was for him to be well with us both a trio, sent to Fondville to spend a week here in their absence, which they hope will not be much longer. Harry, who is viceroy, with absolute power, has only one commission, to amuse Lady Julia and me, and not let us pass a languid hour till their return. Oh dear, Fondville's Arabians! The dear creature looks up, he bows. That bow might from the bidding of the gods command me. Don't you love quotations? I am immensely fond of them, a certain proof of erudition. And, in my sentiments, to be a woman of literature is to be, in short, my dear Belleville, I early in life discovered, by the mere force of genius, that there were two characters only in which one might take a thousand little innocent freedoms without being censured by a parcel of impertinent old women, those of a bel esprit and a Methodist. And the latter not being in my style, I chose to set up for the former, in which I have had the happiness to succeed so much beyond my hopes that the first question now asked amongst polite people, when a new piece come out, is, What does Lady Anne Wilmot say of it? A scornful smile from me would damn the best play that ever was wrote. As a look of approbation, for I am naturally merciful, has saved many a dull one. In short, if you should happen to write an insipid poem which is extremely probable, send it to me and my fiat shall crown you with immortality oh heavens apropos do you know that belle martin in the wane of her charms and past the meridian of her reputation is absolutely married to sir charles canterell astonishing till i condescend to give the clue she praised his bad verses a thousand things appear strange in human life which if one had the real key are only natural effects of a hidden cause my dear sir charles says belle that divine sapphic of yours those melting sounds i have endeavoured to set it but orpheus or amphion alone i would sing it yet fear to trust my own heart such ecstatic numbers who that has a soul she sing half a stanza and overcome by the magic force of verse leaning on his breast as if observed in speech as transport she fainted sunk and died away find me the poet upon earth who could have withstood this he married her the next morning oh ciel i forgot the caro fonville i am really inhuman adieu je suis votre ami très fidèle i can absolutely afford no more at present epistle henry to henry mandeville esq london june twentieth you can have no idea my dear mr mandeville how weary i am of being these few day only in town that any one who is happy enough to have a house a cottage in the country should continue here at this season is to me inconceivable 
but that gentlemen of large property that nobleman should imprison themselves in this smoking furnace when the whole land is a blooming garden and wilderness of sweets when pleasure courts them in her fairest form nay when the sordid god of modern days when interest joins his potent voice when power the best power that of doing good solicits their presence can only be accounted for by supposing them under the dominion of fascination spell caught by some malicious demon an enemy to human happiness i cannot resist addressing them in a stanza or two of a poem which deserves to be written in letters of gold meantime by pleasure's sophistry allured from the bright fun and living breeze ye stray and deep in london's gloomy haunts immured brook o'er your fortunes freedom's health's decay o blind of choice into yourselves untrue the young grow shoots their bloom their fields renew the mansion asks its lord the swain's their friend while he doth riot orgies happily share or tempt the gamester's dark destroying snare or at some courtly shrine with lavish incense bend and yet full oft your anxious tongues complain that careless tumult promits the rustic throng that the rude village inmates now disdain these homely ties which ruled their fathers long alas your fathers did by other arts draw those kind ties around their simple hearts and led in other paths their doctile will by succours faithful consul courteous cheer won them the ancient manners to revere to prize their country's peace and heaven's due rights fulfil can a nobleman of spirit prefer the rude insults of a licentious london rabble the refuse of every land to the warm and faithful attachment of a brave a generous a free and loyal deanry in the country does not interest as well as virtue and humanity prompt them by living on their estates to imitate the heavens which return the moisture they draw from the earth in grateful dews and showers when i first came to belmont having been some years abroad i found my tenants poor and dejected scarce able to gain a hard penurious living the neighbouring gentlemen spending two-thirds of the year in london and the town which was the market for my estate filled only with people in trade who could scarce live by each other i struck at the root of this evil and by living almost altogether in the country myself brought the whole neighbourhood to do the same i promoted every kind of diversion which soon filled my town with gentlemen's families which raised the market and of consequence the value of my estate my tenants grew rich at the same rents which before they were unable to pay population increased my villages were full of inhabitants and all around me was gay and flourishing so simple my dear mr mandeville are the maxims of true policy but it must be so that machine which has the fewest wheels is certainly most easy to keep in order have you had my old men to dine at sixty i admit them to my table where they are always once a fortnight my guests i love to converse with those whom age and long experience render wise and in my idea of things it is time to slacken the reins of pride and to waive all sublunary distinctions when they are so near being at an end between us besides i know by my own feelings that age wants the comforts of life a plentiful table generous wines cheerful converse and the notice of those they have been accustomed to revere renews in some degree the fire of youth gives a spring to declining nature and perhaps prolongs as well as enlivens the evening of their days nor is it a small addition to my satisfaction to see the respect paid them by the young of their own rank from the observation of their being thus distinguished by me as an old man i have a kind of interest in making age an object of reverence but were i ever so young i would continue a custom which appears to me not less just than humane adieu my esteemed my amiable friend how i envy you your larks and nightingales your faithful belmont epistle colonel to colonel belville thursday positively belville i can answer for nothing these sylvan scenes are so very bewitching the vernal grove and balmy zephyr are so favourable to a lover's prayer that if fondville was anything but a pretty man about town my situation would be extremely critical 
This wicked Harry, too, has certainly some evil design. He forms nothing but enchanting rural parties, either a or with others of the young and gay. Not a maiden aunt has appeared at Belmont since his reign commenced. He suffers no ideas to enter our imaginations, but those of youth, beauty, love, and the seducing pleasures of the golden age. We dance on the green, dine at the hermitage, and wander in the woods by moonlight, listening to the song of the nightingale, or the sweeter notes of that little siren, Lady Julia, whose impassioned sounds would soften the marble heart of a virgin of eighty-five. I really tremble for my fair friend, young, artless, full of sensibility, exposed hourly to the charms of the prettiest fellow upon earth, with a manner so soft, so tender, so much in her own romantic way, a rap at my door. Fonville is sent for away. Company at his house sets out immediately. I must bid the dear creature adieu. I am returned. Pity me, Belleville. The streams, the groves, the rocks remain, but Damon still I seek in vain. Yes, the dear man is gone. Harry is retired to write letters, and Lady Julia and I are going to take a walk, tete-a-tete -tete in the wood. Jesu Maria, a female tete-a-tete. -tete. I shall never go through the operation. If we were en confidence indeed, it might be bearable, but the little innocent fool has not even a secret. Adieu, yours, A. Wilmot. Epistle George. To George Mordaunt, Esquire. Oh, Mordaunt, I am indeed undone. I was too confident of my own strength. I depended on the power of gratitude and honour over my heart, but find them too weak to defend me against such inexpressible loveliness. I could have resisted her beauty only, but the mind which irradiates those speaking eyes, the melting music of those gentle accents, soft as the fleeces of descending snows, the delicacy yet lively tenderness of her sentiments, that angel innocence, that winning sweetness, the absence of her parents, and Lady Anne's coquetry with Lord Fonville, have given me opportunities of conversing with her, which have for ever destroyed my peace. I must tear myself from her. I will leave Belmont the moment my lord returns. I am for ever lost, doomed to wretchedness. But I will be wretched alone. I tremble lest my eyes should have discovered, lest pity should involve her in my misery. Great heavens! Was I not sufficiently unhappy? To stun me to the heart, I have just received the following letter from Lord Belmont. End of section six. Read by Kate Mackenzie.